This is Hassan Akram, your host for Autonomous Vehicle Safety and Security Podcast, brought to you by Matrix. Welcome back to another episode of Matrix Tech Talk. Today we have a journalist as our guest, Jutta Schwengbier. Jutta, welcome to Matrix Tech Talk. Thank you very much for inviting me, it's a pleasure. Great, so I'll um, talk a little bit about Jutta. Jutta has been in journalism for over 30 years. All her life she's been into journalism. She uh, recently started a podcast, Technisch und Welt, and if you're German speaking, I highly, highly recommend you to, to um, listen to the podcast that's available in her website, technisch-podcast.de. The link will be available in the description of this video. And also it's available in iTunes and Spotify, if I'm not... Um... Yes, and, um, and many other channels. So you just look for Technik und Welt and then you definitely will find it. Great, Jutta, why don't you um, introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your passion, your background, and why are you doing this, this podcast? Well, I'm, as you said, I'm a journalist for the last 30 years, and I found it very interesting how technology today is changing our lives. And I always try to put these sort of issues to the public broadcasting stations, but they always reject because either they are not interested in the subjects or they say this is commercial and we don't want to broadcast it. So, in fact, there is no area where you can really talk about technologies in the public uh, broadcasting system. So I decided to set up something myself because this is something people are really interested in. I think this is something really changing how we live and definitely you have to talk about it. And I, I talk to experts in, in the field and that's how, of course, we got to know each other. I made recently a podcast series about autonomous driving and one issue, of course, was security. And there comes your expertise in. So maybe giving back the word to you, you could explain a little bit what you're doing in the software industry in, in concern to autonomous driving. Thank you, Jutta. I find it, your initiative, first of all, really fascinating. I'm going to come back to that and also ask you some questions. So now that you've asked about our background, uh, so Matrix is a company that operates uh, in the automotive domain as a tier two. One analogy that I use uh, usually is what we do is uh, the operating system of the ECU, the computer that controls the car. And um, it's sort of what Android is to cell phone. Uh, our system is to the ECU. And to give you a little bit of background how did this, this whole industry evolved, in 2003, big companies like BMW, Daimler, uh, Continental, Robert Bosch, Toyota, Ford, and many other big, uh, nine big companies uh, formed this consortium called Autozar. The purpose of this consortium was to develop a standard uh, that would allow automotive issues to work with one another seamlessly. And we are a part of this Autozar Consortium as a development member. These nine companies are called the core members, and we also contribute to this. Um, Autozar started with the, what we call now the classic platform, really, really embedded. And we've also realized that in order to get into autonomous vehicle, you will need something more than that. And there is one 
leapfrog of this development called Autozar Adaptive, which is meant for the autonomous uh, vehicle. And uh, we're also contributing to that. So this is pretty much uh, our scope of work. We're specialized in the safety and the security area of Autozar, and this is where we work. So maybe I can come in with my journalist uh, expertise or point of view, because I was doing some research and I found out that some security testers could break into cars from, from remote areas. So they could take over control using the brakes, they could even do the steering. So in fact, they even could drive away with someone sitting inside. And of course, this was a, a huge security breach. And I know about Ford who had to call back about 100 not, not 100 million, I think 1 million cars. So this was my interest in the area to find out what can you really do to stop hackers breaking in cars and what can you really do to make cars safer than they are today. And of course, this is your expertise. Could you explain how a risk analysis of this sort of cars look like and maybe what's the difference between an autonomous car and the cars we have today in this software area? Great question, Yuta. So in my opinion, we have to look at how the car industry evolved. The car industry evolved in three phases in terms of connectivity. The first one was the offline era. Nothing was connected. And the first connected era was when you had a mobile device and you could connect your mobile device to the car. From, from that point onward, it was theoretically possible to do something remotely to your car. So that's the first connected era. The second one is the one we're having right now where your car has an IP address and you are connected to your GPS or via the internet to the back end. So, so to say the second, second phase of the connected car. And as we know, whenever something has an IP address, it can be hacked, it can be accessed from anywhere in the world. So theoretically, it is possible. The third phase, which we are slowly moving toward, and this is where autonomous vehicle will also come in, is the car to X communication. So your car is not only communicating with the back end of, of, the, of your manufacturer, it is also communicating with other cars. It is also communicating with other peripheral devices. It is co communicating with the, with the traffic system, so to say the car to X communication. So things are going to, going to be more and more complex and more and more vulnerable to external attack. Now, to come back to your question, what can we do to prevent them? Um, today, the technology is, has been matured quite a bit. However, we still see cars in the street. I mean, the, the, the difference between a cell phone and a car is a cell phone is usually... Uh, the lifespan is three, four years. Three years is usually you, you ch change the cell phone. But a car is made for about 20 years. So huge uh, technological changes take place over 20 years. Uh, you have to send patches. You have to send a lot, of, um, a, a lot of updates. So one of the vulnerable spot today is that. First of all, the cars that we made 10 years ago, we did not think about security. Those cars are still in the street. There is this port um, that is open. It's called the OBD2 online uh, onboard diagnostic port. You can actually put a jack into your car and take control of the car. Or you can also do remotely if you have some, some remote access like GPS and, and, and stuff. So coming back to, uh, to, to be in track to answer your question, what can we do? 
There are several technologies to, to um, protect your car today. One of them is firewall. So pretty much the firewall that we had in the traditional IT domain, you can, prote you can put a firewall to uh, protect more sensitive uh, part of the vehicle network. For example, you want to secure the brake, you want to secure the steering, you have to secure those things from your infotainment system. That's one. Second thing, second advancement is we have, uh, we have achieved quite a great deal in cryptography in, in the car because cryptography, as you know, if you do cryptography on software, it's expensive, but the car by nature has to be real time, meaning the computation time has to be very, very small. We're talking about milliseconds, sometimes even microseconds. So when you apply cryptography on top of that, the, the runtime, the, the execution time explodes. However, we have uh, made advancement with hardware secured module but from the hardware manufacturers that um, computes those uh, uh, cryptographic uh, computation in a, in a much faster uh, time compared to software crypto. So that is another advancement we have. Uh, the third one is we're standardizing. There is a standard for safety. We had had a standard for a long time, but for security, uh, automotive industry did not have an, a standard so far. So the government did not have anything to point toward that, hey, manufacturers, you have to comply to this standard or that. So this standard in safety, it, it, it all was and it still is the ISO 26262. So, uh, they have to be compliant to that, the, the manufacturers, the OEMs. Now we will have from next year, hopefully, um, an, a standard for automotive security that is um, known as the ISO SAE 21434. It's a joint initiative of ISO and SAE, the Society of American Engineers. So that will that is another big, big advancement in my, my opinion. So if I may ask a question, I was doing a research and one of the main problems of the industry in general is ransomware. In the United States, even some cities are taken over by, by software hackers. So if you talk about car security, so if I think about someone using this sort of ransom software not on, to, to, to hijack not only one, but let's say the whole series of the next, uh, I don't know if Tesla is, is the subject, but of the next, let just imagine it would be of the next Tesla model and, and let all the cars stop uh, at the same time. So is this a scenario you could imagine or would you say that the standards at the moment are so high that no hacker will be able to, to come as an intruder? Or what are the biggest dangers in your own opinion at the moment? Uh, this is a great question. Um... I always uh, point toward the Fast and Furious 8. There is, a, there is actually, you know, it's a Hollywood movie, but they, this is where they show if 1,000 zombie cars are under the control of a hacker, then how can you create havoc in a, in a, in a city? But that's fiction. Let's come back to reality. So in real life, I think, in my opinion, what is possible and what is happening, there is a dispute between, I mean, the ransomware and uh, the, the cases that you mentioned is not happening in automotive in industry yet. It's happening in other, other spots where there is, uh, there are easier, easier and more money, um, more and more financial incentive. So the, so to say the internet, um, 
into the black industry or if you're into the criminal industry, if you want to call it, they're focusing on something totally different because there are more money, easier money right now available. Does that mean it's not possible? It is possible. The example that you gave uh, shows us this is possible. Then there was this lab, um, lab test um, uh, hack by, uh, on, the, on the Chrysler car. There were uh, Audi TT vulnerability. There were a lot of vulnerability. Fortunately, we, 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 we discovered them in the lab, like ADAC discovered one, um, researchers discovered one. So that tells us there, there is potential for attack. There is potential for attack. The attack is not taking place today because the industry, the, um, the black market industry is focusing somewhere else. There will be a time, there, it will be more and more difficult for them to easily hack and ask for ransomware on the traditional IT infrastructure. And then they will look for other, um, other potential uh, potential vulnerabilities and automotive industry is just a question of time that this will happen in my opinion. If you say the risk is there then of course the next question definitely will be what are you doing to reduce the risk? Can you really make this car industry secure or safe? It's, a, it's again a great question. It is, um, it is a question of risk reduction as you said. So when you, um, when you do security engineering from an automotive perspective there are several um, things that can happen due to a security breach. One is safety. So someone can attack and kill you. So that will have to have the highest priority and highest importance. Uh, the second one is economic. Someone can steal your car. So that's also important that you can cover by, uh, by insurance, but insurance company would like some technologies in, uh, you know, in place. The third one is privacy. So someone can steal your data. GDPR will applies also to automotive industry, and they're taking GDPR seriously because the because of the of the, of the fine is way, way too it could be ridiculously high, and these are big companies. Uh, so these three things you 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 need to uh, you need to be able to protect. The first one. Let's start with the first one: safety. You have to be able to uh, create an infrastructure that. Uh, make that kind of look, puts a safety envelope for those safety critical, uh, safety critical ECUs, and you have to protect them for the rest of your network in order to ensure safety. So safety is number one. There is no way you can, um, you can, um, you can bypass safety. The safe and security will have safety consequences. Now, ISO 26262 has been a standard for a while. It focuses on safety. So, Unfortunately, there is not much about security in ISO 26262. So the government cannot point out, the legislators, the lawmakers cannot point out that this is where you have to, you have to uh, focus on. So uh, as you know, the German law for um, Technik, you know, uh, the Produkthaftung law is very, uh, very, very clear about uh, the, the st state of the art, the definition of the state of the art. So you have to have a state of the art, and one of them is we have in in uh, in safety. This we need something for security as well. And the the, the good news is we are almost there. There will be a, a security standard, and once you fulfill the security standard ISO 26262 and ISO 21434, if they work hand in hand, we will be able to secure the first. Uh, let's say. I wouldn't say 100% secured, but we will be able to secure the majority of the majority of the of the vulnerabilities that can be potentially harmful to people's life. That is safety. Then comes to 
the question of economy. I mean, you, if your car is stolen, you know, somebody can, somebody can hack and steal your car, that's the problem. Someone can ask for ransomware, that's the problem. That's the, that's the second problem we have. The, uh, the most important one was safety, now we have the second problem. Uh, this is how we engineer this kind of scenario. We look at the, we consider Moore's law, the technology will get cheaper and cheaper, computation power will increase, and the lifetime of the car is about 20 years. So within this 20 years, the cost of brute forcing or uh, cracking the car, if that is higher than the price of the car, the manufacturer would, would say that I'm, I'm happy with that because with an economic incentive, nobody will, will steal a car if they have to put more money computationally, computation costs to, to hack the car. So this is how we secured the, the economic bit. What, is, what hasn't happened so much in the automotive industry, to the best of my knowledge, in the privacy domain? Because we will be collecting data, we're collecting data, it's really, really interesting data, it's the sensor data, it is the, um, you know, the, 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 the data that, you, that tells you about the, the quality of the street, real-time data. This is the kind of data even big players like Google, Facebook do not have access to. This is a unique kind of data that, that only the automotive manufacturers have access to and there is a huge business case about it. And I think, to my opinion, automotive industry is not ready to, to also uh, see how, what will be the GDPR comp uh, uh, consequence to that. Uh, data if they collect it and what can they do with it. In my opinion, there can be a lot of innovation from this data, but at the same time, they have to be GDPR compliant. One last question. Elon Musk stated that in his opinion, autonomous cars will be ready by the end of this year, at least his Tesla cars. And many others say, well, that's not possible. Too many problems have to be solved. So could you give your opinion on the imagination of Elon Musk? Is this something you could agree to or say no we are not ready yet and it takes some more years what is your opinion thank you yuta this is elon musk i have i have personally a lot of respect for elon musk so we need people like elon musk in the society who will who will challenge the status quo and as you know elon musk uh even does not even 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 he does not want to want to accept the law of physics sometimes you know when when the law of physics defies he says we have a we have a small issue so I, having a, a enormous respect for Elon Musk, we also have to see the reality, what's happening in, um, in the world. So in order to be able to safely say that uh, autonomous vehicle will run safely in the, in the street, we need to test data. If I say that it will happen or it will not happen, this will all be my opinion, this will not be scientific, we need test data. The problem that I see now is that we are testing the cars in a limited scenario. You know, you cannot uh, tell a driver to test a danger scenario. You, it's, it's just not possible. Uh, and you have, to, you have to test all those dangerous scenarios, not only the benign scenarios, the malicious scenarios. That is not being uh, heavily tested today. There are several ways to test it. One is a physical person sitting in a, in a real city like Unterschleißheim. We see a lot of BMW um, autonomous test vehicle running around us. That's one. But this is only Unterschleißheim. It's a nice town. There's not much of a danger here. So that's one. The second one is what Uber is doing. They're building 
uh, kind of like mock cities uh, to test such such uh, scenarios. But that's also not enough because you will not be able to simulate, you'll not be able to emulate the real malicious scenarios. The third one is by simulation. You will need, there are, there are companies like Toyota who said you will need um, half a trillion to one trillion miles of test data before you can say that the car is ready to be rolled out. Again, there is no legislation. This is very new to the, to, the, to the lawmakers of the world. So we have no legislation. We have to come up with the legislation hand in hand with the industry. So I don't know how much of a test data Tesla has. It doesn't sound realistic to me that you will be able to, um, the way the test's been done today, you will be able to come up with that amount of trillions of miles because this is a question of not only money, it's also a question of time. Uh, having said that, there is a there is a huge um, there is a huge motivation to come uh, to bring bring autom autonomous drive in the autonomous cars on the street. Like uh, some months ago, Uber IPO during Uber IPO, Uber was uh, the valuation of was Uber was eighty two billion. Now eighty percent of Uber's uh, turnover goes to the Uber drivers. Imagine that Uber could eliminate that cost. The Uber's um, uh, stock price will go probably tenfold, twentyfold overnight. So there is a huge economic incentive to bring this technology in the market as soon as possible, which is understandable. There are also social initiatives, like in Japan, most of the accidents, fatalities happen by senior citizens who are not able to drive properly. So in societies like Japan, where the uh, pop age, uh, population is aging, this uh, a population structure is an inverted pyramid. We need this technology to solve a social problem. So we have all these incentives, but we have to make sure that we roll out this technology safe and secured. This is very, very important, in my opinion. Okay, this was a long answer, but uh, if I get you right, the answer was no. Uh, end of the year is not realistic. So thanks for this. And thank you very much for having me in your podcast. Thanks for coming here. Um, in the end, like I said, I mean, I want to want to also ask you some question about your initiative. So, what drove you toward uh, technology? I mean, this is this is very important. You have start you what you what you said in the beginning. I fully agree with you that uh, there are not much of um, technological podcasts or technological shows out there, and this is kind of like technology is for a bunch of geeks who speaking their language, it's not open to, to uh, people uh, in general. My thinking is uh, that technology really can change the world to be a better place. But in many areas at the moment, it doesn't. As you mentioned, if you think about Uber, you just mentioned it. So many people are driving for Uber, but the eventual goal is to make them uh, without, without a job and having these autonomous cars. I, I think uh, technology should be used uh, for the people to work together, first, first of all, and to improve the world. So I try to focus on technologies that really can improve things. So when I started my career, I was into human rights, and I tried to improve that by, yeah, by law or by uh, pointing to, to issues that are not uh, well done. But in the end, I found out that technology can do much more than just legislation. So if you go to the right direction, technology can really change how the world is constructed today. And that's my focus. I want to find technologies that really improve how we live together and 
do something against climate change, do something against poverty, and of course do something uh, to improve uh, technologies. And uh, this is my, my main focus. I want to find te uh, a te technology that can really improve the world. That's why it's called Technik und Welt. It's not about technology, it's about the impact that technology can have in our world. And for example, if you look at the oil industry, everyone knows that they are responsible for the climate uh, crisis. And if you look at renewable energies, they could be the solution. And of course, the actors behind the technologies are fighting. So what I want to do is to promote, let's say, the good technologies and, and the technologies that can improve the world. And of course, point to technologies that are not very intelligent. Uh, just to name one, Nespresso was the one who using this sort of little uh, capsules where you put the, the coffee in. And this caused many other uh, producers to do the same, but, but, the, but the waste they are producing is tremendous. And these sort of technologies, of course, they are there, but they shouldn't be there. And, and I don't want to uh, go into details in this, but of course we have to think about what we are really doing and creating technologies that really can improve the world and not make it a, a worse place than it is at the moment. Fascinating answer. Uh, Jutta, one last question. What do you think, in your opinion, you have talked to many experts, what do you think, in your opinion, would be the most positive thing of, uh, of autonomous vehicle and the most negative thing? Well, of course, the most uh, positive will be the security aspect, that you don't have accidents anymore if, if that works, that people don't get killed. And, of course, uh, at the moment, we think about having... Let's, let's say cars uh, uh, getting them out of the city altogether because they have so much uh, pollution around them that they will cause uh, the world to collapse. So the bad thing about uh, autonomous driving is that you still have this individual car driving instead of having public transport. And it would be much more clever to have, let's say, big buses going around than having individual cars going around. And this would be my preference, if you think about it. We don't really need a car to stand in front of our office for, I don't know, 24 hours and maybe use it one hour a day. We need public transport systems with big transport. They can be autonomous and they go around and, and transporting people. That's what they're made for. And this sort of uh, individual traffic has to be stopped because it's a huge waste of resources. It's a, it's a huge waste of energy. And of course, uh, we have to make sure that everyone can use them and not only the people who can afford to buy them. Thank you, Yuta. It was awesome to have you uh, in our podcast. Thank you so much for watching. If you have liked this episode, please smash the like button, share this episode with your friends, and see you in the next episode. In this podcast show, we bring in the industry leaders and experts in the automotive domain to share their experiences along their journey. The mission of our podcast is to start a dialogue that will allow us to understand the development of automotive industry and where the automotive industry is going. You can ask questions to our guests directly. Just send us an email to podcast at matrix.de. We'll schedule a call with you during the recording and you'll be part of our show. Make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss any new episodes. Please share this video to help others get enlightened as well and that would mean a great deal to us. See you in the next episode.